0: Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of the King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem within. When he had called together all the peoples, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what is written, this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thanks, Sean. Good morning, everybody. It
1: is starting to feel a little bit more like Christmas, isn't it, with school starting to finish up? people talking about holidays, starting to fight our way through shops. So we're gonna spend the next uh, few Sundays, including Christmas, just thinking about the birth of Jesus and what it means and just how radical the story is. So this morning we're just having a bit of a look at the the three wise men, or the Magi, and just what that means and how radical that is. It's a story we've heard every year, uh, but I'm sure there's something uh, that will shock you about them in a few minutes. I'm gonna pray first that God will help us understand his word. Dear Father, we do thank you for this Sunday that we can get together as, as church family. We thank you for Christmas, and it is a good time to celebrate together, not only a bit of a break, but also uh, good times to reflect on who you are and who we are in relation to Jesus Christ. So we pray that you'd reveal yourself this morning, that you're with us as you say you will be, and that we can uh, learn more about you and know how to live for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What would you give a baby king? So when a new king enters the world, or future king, what would you give him? See, we've got uh, King George, or the future King George now, is the closest thing we've got to a king in Australia. We're very um, unpatriotic when we come to kings and queens, I know. But William and Kate uh, have given birth to uh, George, uh, who will be our king at some stage if we stay a monarchy. Uh, But lots of people like to give him gifts. He gets over 700 gifts per year. You think about it, that's over two a day. Why does he get all these gifts? Simply because he is the future king, just who he is. So people like to give him gifts just to, um, in the old days, people used to give the king gifts as a kind of a tribute. You know, if I give you gifts, you will be nice to me. And we wanna be on the right side of the king, right? So you give the king lots of nice things, so he leaves you alone or maybe even blesses you or your country through different ways. But now we do it just to honour him and his position. So even as a child, even we in Australia give him gifts. It was only a couple of years ago, uh, William and Kate brought George over to Australia to have a bit of a look around. And as Australia, we were challenged with the whole thing of what do you give a future king? What gifts do you give him? Now, Australia has their own sense of what makes a good gift, I think, uh, so we gave it a good shot. Uh, I have a few pics on what we gave him. This is when he was 18 months old. Uh, a group of people uh, gave him a stuffed wombat and you can see there it's a rather large stuffed wombat. And as an 18 year old I was assured he had no nightmares every morning when he woke up and saw this big monster standing over him. But that didn't, didn't disturb him one little bit apparently. Uh, other people thought for an 18 month old a surfboard would be, would be a good idea. So he got a surfboard. Um, Or somebody put a bit more thought into it, being royalty, he would enjoy a polo mallet, Uh, particularly I'm sure his sister enjoys that when she come along, a young junior-sized polo mallet. But then we got a bit more creative of what you'd give a young future king. And this is where you start to see not so much the reaction of the child itself but the reaction of the parents when you give gifts—you might have been in this situation before—like a possum skin coat, possum skin of all things. Uh, what are you thinking? But a possum—he'll oh, love that one day. Or what about? You, know, you use a creative juices. What about an amphibious trike? You know, something he can pedal along, but also run into the water and things like that. Would be great for an eighteen-month-old. The city of Darwin takes a cake. Darwin is really good at things like that. What do you give a future king if you're from Darwin? Of course, his own crocodile. That's right. They go. They offered to look after for him, but he's got his own crocodile as an 80 month old future king. And you kind of wonder, yeah, what do you give a future king? All these things are like meant to be symbols of this is who we are to create uh, in Australia, and we're honouring you in all these things as our future king, possibly. Uh, but it begs the question, what do you give a future king or a king? What would be appropriate? What would please him? Because that's the whole point. You want to please the king. You want to give him something memorable to go, yeah, I've got fond memories of that place, that country, or those people that, you know, I'll treat them with favour. That's the whole idea. So when we read the story of Jesus being born, the story we just had read for us in um, the start of Matthew, uh, we see the three wise men, or as the story, we know it, each Christmas time, come and bring gifts. Gold, I mean, who doesn't want gold, right? That's always a good gift, ask any lady. Gold, don't mean to show a finger, rings, jewellery, gold always works. Uh, incense, incense is just that fine smell and I think as a baby with pooey nappies, they probably wanted fine smell in the barn that they were in. Uh, that would be a good gift. Uh, myrrh is a, a really expensive perfume in its day. That Only royalty really used uh, because it was so expensive. But they're really high class gifts I mean, that might have been more for mary than uh for baby jesus but it's kind of nice that they're bringing a, this kind of tribute this gift to this future king because he is a future king they want to get on the right side of him giving gifts to honor him but the question is when we find out more about these guys and who they are the question why comes up why did they do it why did they want to come and worship this new king, why did they bring gifts it 's kind of why were they even there in the first place? No, no Jewish leaders were there. It was just these three random guys, or these guys. Let me explain why should the wise men even be there? So these wise men, or in our translations in the NIV that we read from, calls them magi. Now the difference there is uh, when you're translating the Bible, you've got to try and interpret what these words mean because this is written in the Greek. And for magi, is actually the Greek word when, when translators use magi. They're kind of using it as a way of, look, Well, this covers a whole range of things of these kind of people. We'll just use the original word and you work it out. Uh, but some translations use the, the phrase wise men. Why do they do that? It's because these guys are known as um, sometimes rulers or even princes. But more importantly, they were advisors to the king. They were advisers to say uh, what to do, what next move to make. And they did this in a way of, uh, a, number of uh, they did this in a number of ways. So they had a particular interest in the supernatural thing. They were very superstitious. They delved in lots of religious practices to try and find out which gods are in control and how to read what they're going to do, particularly reading the stars. So these guys were, if a king wanted to um, get good advice on what to do next, he would see his wise men. That was their name, the the wise men, as far as the the king was concerned. But to cut it short, these guys are basically astrologers. They study the stars to to tell the future. They just go, tell me your star sign and I'll tell you what's going to happen today, next week, next year, in your whole lifetime. Uh, different to astronomy where people study the stars as a lot more like a science, these guys are definitely astrology where they, um, they try and predict the future. Bill Clinton was big on this, Yeah, you know, President of America, powerfulest country in the world disputably at that time. Uh, any big decisions would consult his astrologers. People do that, they want to know the future. These guys are from the area around Babylon or Persia, which is a bit out of Jerusalem, a bit away from the, the action or the religious action from the Jews. But they're called wise men because they're wise. That, that was their street name. The king would consult you because you're wise men. But the Bible doesn't use that as a compliment. Actually, the, this word magi is always uh, criticised. So you might know the story of Simon the sorcerer in, uh, in the story of Acts. Described him as practicing this magi, this sorcery through astrology. Um, and then there's other stories that go on where not only do the prophets bag out listening to these wise men, these astrologers for the future, that any king who trusts in them rather than trusting in the real God, they said that they'll be torn down. Even the Israelite king, kings of Israel, if you trust these guys, you're doing the wrong thing because you're trusting them instead of trusting God. So they're always criticised. But even sometimes, not even the the Christian, we might say, <laughs> believers would, would even question their what they're doing. So we get a story in Daniel too, a story in the Old Testament where we see uh, Daniel's a young guy, Israelite, but he's captive, he's put in slavery in Babylon. But the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, he has this dream that really disturbs him. So he gets his wise men, these magi, calls them says, I've had a dream, I'm really worried, I'm really disturbed about this, Um, I need an explanation. And they say, sure, just tell us what your dream was and we'll tell us the meaning of it and you know if you say enough guesses or enough things you'll get something right so they felt pretty safe at that point but Nebuchadnezzar goes no you are the astrologers you are the wise men you tell me what my dream was about since you know everything you tell me what my dream was about and tell me what it means and then I'll give you great honor but if, since you're so smart if you can't tell me what my dream was about or tell me what my dream was yeah you know, I'm going to take your heads Off with your head, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to destroy your houses because you're fakes, you're not real. So they went away, they thought about it and they come back and said, look, you're asking us to do something that's impossible, nobody can do this. So in short, off with their heads and crash with their houses. He didn't like that and that's where God used Daniel to explain this is what the dream was, that God's way was real. So it's not only in scripture it's questionable, well it's criticised, but even in real life. It was questionable, this whole idea of studying the stars to to tell the future. Now, if you were writing the nativity story, we need a cute story to explain the birth of God's son Jesus into the world. Would you have a bunch of astrologers, you know, foreigners that have come in, they're not even Jews, to come into your house and to be a prominent part of the story? Would you do that? Well, these guys turn up. I'm not sure what Joseph was thinking when he got the knock at the door and here's these foreigners standing there with, I don't know, their crystal balls or their map of the stars or whatever they're doing. But they're there wanting to come inside. He might have been hoping for, you know, the high priest or some, some, uh, somebody special from the temple to come down. But he's got these foreigners wanting to come in. But see, they really wanted to meet the king of the Jews. So these guys, I mean, we say three wise men, but we're not actually told how many they are. There could have been three. We don't say three because there was three gifts, but there could have been more. It could have been less, uh, at least two. But they come to Jerusalem seeking this king. It's on their heart. They want to know who he is, where he's from, and their story. So they come to Jerusalem. We heard uh, their, their spiel. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They say, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They saw his star. There's something special going on. It's not just we saw something going on in the stars. Something supernatural is going. We saw his star that's led us here. Now, you kind of wonder, how did they know? Even the Jews weren't getting this one right. But somehow these guys got this much right. How did they know? Well, if these guys are into uh, Religions and stars and and prophesying the future, they'd be familiar with some of the the prophecies from the Jews, from the Israelites, particularly go back a few hundred years when they were in slavery, exiled into Babylon, and they would have said, shared their prophecies, and one prophecy talking about a king that was going to be born. So they'd note, hey, the Jews are going to have this new king. We need to keep an eye out for him. And now the whole star thing, how did they know to follow the star? There's one kind of illusion in uh, in the book of Numbers 24 that refers to God saying, uh, I'm going to raise a star and he will be a ruler. It's kind of metaphorical a bit. It's not clear that it's a prophecy. But for some reason, God used their interest in stars to guide them there. And when they got to, to Jerusalem, they asked uh, around and they've Didn't get too many answers. Then they followed the star. The star continued to lead them till it landed sort of over the top of a house in Bethlehem or the stable, the place where they were staying. So they entered. The stars led us here. The prophecy said there's going to be a king. Let's check this out. So they arrived. They saw Mary. They see baby Jesus. Uh, He says they fall on their knees and the word there is like they fall prostrated, which is kind of they go on their knees and they completely collapse in front of him. You know, if you come before a king or somebody really wise and, and special, so much authority, you don't even want to have eye contact with them, that you, when you bow you keep your head down, it's that sort of thing they're doing. And it says they worshipped him. You now we're not really sure what that means, if they worshipped him truly as Lord and their saviour at all, where they got that at all. We don't hear about them at all after this story. So we're not sure what they thought of that, except for they went back to their own country, uh, doing their own thing. So I'm not sure they worshipped him as Lord, but they could see that he was king and they could see he deserved to be worshipped. So then they gave their gifts, gold, the frankincense, the incense, uh, and the myrrh, great gifts they're giving to him. But you do have to wonder, you know, what were Mary and Joseph thinking? What are we meant to think that all this is happening? These pagan foreigners who practiced astrology followed a random star it would seem or some supernatural thing that God would lead them there, would you let them in? They'd certainly take their gifts, that's all right. that's a good thing. Uh, But what's going on? Why did they want to go there? Or more important, why did God want them there? God is introducing his son to the world and yet he's invited these guys as special guests to be there at the birth of Christ or soon after. Why did he want them there? Because it seemed to be a supernatural act that this star had shown them. Some people uh, try and study about what was going on there to try and uh, explain, was the star a natural occurring event? And apparently around three or four BC, when Jesus was born, uh, there was, Halley's Comet was due. Maybe it was Halley's Comet. But I'm old enough to have seen Halley's Comet and it just sort of went across the sky and didn't seem to do anything that special, if you're up late enough to see it. And then there was uh, a lining of a couple of planets, Saturn and Jupiter. Could that have done it? But, you know, usually planets just cross the sky. They don't sort of move over houses and stay over houses. But it seems like if it was, even if it was natural, it was in, in God's plan, but it seems supernatural that God would have guided them there. So God wanted them there, specifically. So what was God thinking? Why did God want them there? He guided them there to this place, to this future king, this child, to show us what is to come. Because we know other prophecies to know that when this king king comes, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord, that he is king. And these kings, not only that, that, but there's a prophecy saying that these kings will also bring tribute, they'll bring gifts to him as well. Let me read you a few verses from Psalm 72, reading from verse 9. It's talking about this king. The king has come uh, in in the future. They're saying what will happen from verse 9. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. It's kind of in contrast. This king, kings like their, their banquets. They eat well. But compared to this king, these kings are going to be eating dust. Verse 10. The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. This idea of bringing tribute, like we talked about before, to to get in favour with the king, that if we bring gifts, he might be nice to us, he might be sympathetic to us and maybe even help us or bless us. And they're bringing gifts, that this will happen. Now we kind of see, when I read that, I think of, Pictures in Revelation, Jesus sitting on the throne Revelation, all of creation standing around him, singing praises to him as Lord, and they're bowing before him. But here we see, we see a baby sitting in a manger. It's not even in a nice bassinet in a nice house. It's in an animal food trough that he's there. We don't see him born to royalty, somebody already sitting on their thrones with crowns. He's born to a tradie dad, a carpenter, Joseph, He's uh, peasant mum and they're just sitting there not knowing you know, what, what is going on. They've gone to Bethlehem of all villages. You know, it's not even to Jerusalem, you know, the royal city of David. He's in a little nowheresville sort of t- town. But yet this baby is the son of God. It's the son of God. This baby that is just another child born on one hand. But on the other hand, he's the son of God, the future king, king of the universe. And we see the wise men, these princes and advisers. they're bowing, they're bringing gifts to him already. He hasn't even spoken a word yet. All he's done is pooed nappies and cried, I'm assuming. But yet they're bowing before him, lying, worshipping him because they know something, that he is a king like no other. Like no other, that he's come into the world. So what should you give a king like this? King Jesus, come into the world. What is an appropriate gifts? We have this thing at Christmas time where we kind of remember this is Jesus' birthday when Jesus come to to earth to walk with us. And in celebration to Jesus coming to us, we give each other gifts. It's kind of a bit of a funny trend that's that's happened. I remember when our kids were little and we used to throw birthday parties. invite all their friends, and their friends used to bring gifts. Or when our kids go to other people's parties, you bring that person a gift, the special person who's having a birthday party. But then as our kids were growing older, it became more trendy that the host of the party would give these gift bags to all the guests. So all the kids would go home with a, a gift bag as well. And the better the party was resulted on the Better the gift bag that everyone else was getting. And I think it's just getting bigger and bigger, that sort of trend. We want our guests to be impressed, so we give them all these gift bags. So now we hear Jesus come, uh, he's a future king, so what do we do? We still give each other all these nice, big, impressive gifts. And we've forgotten about the reason for it. What do we give the king? What do we give the coming? Of, of God himself through his son Jesus Christ what does he deserve what what should we honor what should we give tribute to him to show him honor that he is truly King and Lord this is a big question that was being asked many years before even Jesus was born uh, there's this guy Malachi a prophet uh, around four or five hundred years before Jesus and he writes this is he's, he's wrestling with this I'm going to be meeting the king one day with the Lord what should I do to bring tribute? What should I do to come before our holy God? And he's he's wrestling with this question. He says this Malachi 6:6. 6, 6. He says, "With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand ram, th- with thousands of rams, with 10,000s" thousand rivers of oil shall i offer my firstborn for my transgressions the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul and you see he's wrestling with it Uh, He first suggests the burnt offerings uh something they used to do when they go to the temple they make tribute to god to, to to forgive the sins because you're coming before a holy god and we know we're all sinful so how is god the king going to look on me favorably i have to bring him tribute So they used to bring burnt offerings. A good tribute would be calves a year old in their prime. That would be a very good tribute to bring. But then he sort of says, what what does God really want? Does he want more than that? Will I bring the Lord, uh, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? And you kind of go, come on, that's exaggerating, but surely he doesn't want thousands of rams but it gets bigger with 10,000 rivers of oil, not 10,000 jars of oil, 10,000 rivers of oil. What a great gift. Oh, that's getting ridiculous now. Does God really want that as a tribute to have favor upon us? But then it gets bigger again. Would God even want my firstborn child as tribute? He's a holy God. I'm a sinner. How am I going to come into his presence? Does he even want me to give up my firstborn child? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. God would never want that. For you to come into his presence, for you to show tribute to him, he would never want your firstborn child. That's way over the top. But what should we give the Lord when we come into his presence? Not just as Jesus as a baby, but when we come into his presence, when we all come before him. Even now when we come before him, but even more so when he comes again. Not just a small gift, but as a sinner, how do I make a suitable gift? Would we give our firstborn the ultimate gift for the ultimate king to satisfy him so that we can show that we're, we're a good subject, a right subject, and we can honour him? I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. What the prophet is saying, what Malachi is saying, is, is what's going to satisfy him to show that I'm a, I want to worship him as Lord and Saviour? And this is where God says, yes, as much as we've got, will show me how much you love me, even your firstborn. But here's the twist. When we read that, we go, that's ridiculous. But here's the twist. God says, for you to come into my presence, for you to treat me as truly Lord and King of your lives, I will supply that. So you don't have to give up your firstborn, but I will give you the tribute to bring. So Jesus is God's only son. Only son come to the earth. But God says, for you to bring me tribute, here, I'm going to supply the sacrifice, you might say. I'm going to supply my only son so you can show tribute. And that's where we see Jesus. He's not sitting on a throne like any other king. He's hanging on a cross. He's being killed. He's being rejected by the humanity who don't want him, but as that he is giving up himself. Instead of the king on his throne with servants all around him, he becomes the servant he becomes the sacrifice, he becomes nailed to the cross and dies the death to show that if you want to come before the king, God has applied even the firstborn, not our firstborn, his firstborn, so we can come before him. That's an amazing twist for an amazing God, a God that doesn't demand things from us, but God, out of grace and mercy, says, you can't supply for me anything that's going to please me, in a sense, to satisfy me, for you as a sinner and me a holy God, so I'll supply it for you, my one and only son, to give gifts, to be tribute, for us to come before him as king. See, Christmas, we often say Christmas is all about Jesus' birthday, and it kind of is, it's the date on the calendar where we say, oh, yeah, happy birthday to Jesus. But it's much more than that, isn't it? It's much more. It's celebrating Jesus come to earth to make things right. It's God's only son, the firstborn to make tribute so we can bow down and worship him. So we can come in his presence. So we can have a real living relationship with the King, the Lord of the universe. It's through Jesus. So that's what we're on about at church here at Southside. We don't want to be We want to acknowledge good things like Christmas. We want to celebrate that as a family uh, and have joy. Our Christmas spit that we had there over the the other day was a magic time. Just getting together over good food uh, and just enjoying each other's company and remembering the reason why we're doing it's because of Jesus. That's not just his birth that we're remembering, it's his sacrifice for us. We can come before God. It doesn't matter who we are, what we've done in our lives, but we can come before him because of the tribute that God himself supplies so he can come into his presence as his friends. Let me pray that this Christmas will help reflect that even wise men, even astrologers can come before Jesus with their gifts. But it's only through the gift of Jesus himself that we can truly come before him and be welcomed into his presence as Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for the reminder of Christmas, that when we go over this story, the story we hear year after year, we're always learning something new. Not just something new in the story, but something new about your grace. Lord, that when we think of what we might give you as our King and our Lord, we realise as sinners, there's nothing we can bring. There's no tribute big enough or great enough to make you accept us. So you supplied that awesome gift in your own Son, Jesus Christ. That he would die for us to bring us into your presence. Lord, let us focus on that. this this Christmas that every day we remember the gift you gave to us so that no matter who we are as long as we trust in Jesus that we call him as our Lord our saviour that we are welcomed into your presence because of what he has done the amazing gift of grace we pray this in Jesus name amen